Hello, Runoff and the listeners. Today's episode was supposed to be a two-parter, and it was taken from recordings that Rahul, me, and Patrick did back in October. Now, re-listening to the audio, I realized that, for one, we wanted to split this episode into two distinct episodes, one talking about specifically should you go back to grad school, and two, it was to tell the story of Rahul and my time in grad school. Now, as I was playing the audio, I realized that we didn't distinctly discern these two topics in terms of at one point we'll focus on talking about Rahul and my story versus should you or should you not do grad school. So I think it's a good learning experience for our podcast and I still want to release it instead of re-record it. However, I've edited some parts where the flow would be a little bit better. However, the first half will focus heavily more on should you do grad school with bits and pieces of Rahul's story and my story intertwined in it. Hello, run off the mill listeners. Uh, Welcome back to another episode. I hope every one of you is doing well. And just to start off, just to introduce myself, my name is Curtis, and I'm the chemist in the previous episodes. And then I have my two podcast members alongside with me. Yeah, so I'm Rahul. I'm working as an IT consultant. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Happy Halloween, by the way. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Uh, and last but not least, I'm Patrick. I work as a health and benefits actuary. Yeah, so I thought before we get into uh, the two topics uh, today in this episode, how's everybody doing? I am sure. doing okay, <laughs> if I may uh, speak first. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I took a nice, uh, nice hour walk. It was uh, good to be moving for the first time in about three weeks. I've just been really bogged down with work. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was great to be out. <laughs> refreshing to have the uh, blood flowing again um, and not be sit- sitting on a chair all day. So happy about that. That was my achievement for the day. That's a big um, win what about in you, my Patrick? book, man. Uh, I've been trying to do that daily as well. Oh, thank you. Um, if not just for like 10, 15 minutes, just to make sure I stretch my legs and get some sun. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I just got over a really busy uh, hump at work. So feeling really good. Still pretty busy, but definitely less uh, than normal. Curtis, off to you. Um, for, I've been just trying to keep up my normal routine, uh, stopping by. If you guys ever heard of Cava Mediterranean restaurant, I know Rahul has because I took him there once. Uh, it's kind of like a fast, casual Chipotle, but Mediterranean style. So, you know, I go there to eat my healthy meals. And also uh, I'm keeping up my <laughs> running routine sponsor yeah sure (laughs) my running routine which is like oh man i can't believe i ran into cold today um but you know i got five miles in and i know tomorrow i'm gonna have to run another eight miles so um to the viewers that are tuning in i actually try to keep up like 15 miles a week uh you know to keep my fitness up however it's getting harder and harder now that the days are uh turning dark a lot faster daylight savings right it's next week i think i thought oh, it was today jeez okay <laughs> that was okay i have to google it but... yeah cool i was about to ask curtis are you gonna hop on the peloton flow what's that i don't know 
the indoor like exercise. Oh, bike no, 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 no. I, I can't do that. I mean, <laughs> I either want to run outside or go to the gym with, when it's like early in the morning and there's nobody. So I can't do at home mm. exercise. It distracts me too much. Yeah. For sure, for sure. I'll, I'll confess. I actually thought wow. about it for, <laughs> for a minute. Am- I might. For sure, for I sure. Might, Amazon but- released like a cheaper competitor version. That might be the play. Oh, really? <laughs> what a surprise. Amazon trying to take the market. All right, Curtis, what do we have for uh, this week's topic? Right. So I was thinking the other day about grad school. And um, I was actually in grad school earlier this year. Uh, however, I ended up uh, leaving grad school. But I think everybody, you know, some people go through their careers thinking, um, should I go back to grad school? Um, and fortunately for us today, our two topics would be about should you go back to grad school, number one. And number two, um, we'll be spending the second half talking about uh, two of our cast members' uh, time in grad school. Like for me, I actually went back to the personal care sciences grad program or in Masters of Business and Science in Rutgers. And Rahul, I won't stop you. Yeah, <laughs> I went to grad school uh, in Kyoto University going for a master's yeah. in and, science. And that was a really exciting science. journey. Like I only went back to grad school for one semester before deciding it wasn't for me. However, Rahul, you you finished grad school. Um, the, you spent two years doing grad school there, correct? Yes, that's correct. I did a master's. It was two years. Uh, <laughs> Quite the experience. Right, awesome. So <laughs> lots to talk about. Yeah. Uh, number one, should you go back to grad school? Um, I was, you know, thinking of reasons of what are some of the top reasons people want to go back to grad school, and I can get into what the reasons I went back to in grad school. But googling it, like some few reasons. Uh, obviously, number one, investing in your future. Uh, it gives going back to grad school today gets you uh, opens up an many more possibilities. You know, you get more noticed in today's job market, you get more qualifications for work, and you can either pursue your interests more in depth, or if you feel like changing yourself, you could pursue a sort of different field, totally different from what you're working in right now. And I think another big part is, hey, um, after college, I made my connections after college, but you know, we're all spread out across the world and I'm only working right now, you know, getting to know my coworkers. However, I kind of miss that sort of uh, action from before. I would want to make new connections and I can do that by going back to grad school. So, um, oh yeah. And another reason, <laughs> increase your financial prospects. Like obviously the higher degree, um, it's more valuable. And in some sort of uh, career, choices, you might need a grad school or a master's degree in order to get that sort of manager's position or um, PhD position you know, required. So for me personally, uh, I really wanted to go back to grad school because everyone was doing it at L'Oreal. And it's not to say that I wasn't um, swept into a bandwagon per se. However, I felt like it was a really prestigious step into um, 
getting more into my career, uh, more in depth. Like I'm a chemist right now. However, eventually I would want to take on projects of formulating and being a manager. And I thought going back to grad school would connect me with people who have been in my shoes before and push me to that next level. Uh, and that was at the time back in January that you know, I was still thinking about continuing on with the formulations career at L'Oreal. Um, Rahul, what are some of the reasons that you thought, you know, going back to grad school would be good for? Yeah, for me, it was actually a little bit different. I didn't really have any sort of career goals in mind when it came to grad school. Uh, well, I guess my career goal, you could say, was eventually becoming a researcher slash, I think I was thinking about professorship at some point. Um, and, you know, for, for that, the only obvious path is really going for a PhD at some point, um, and, you know, being on track with your research. Uh, and, you know, after doing my bachelor's, I really fell in love with research and I wanted to do more of it. So, uh, you know, in, grad, in undergrad, I was studying the environmental sciences. I did a thesis um, and, you know, spending a year of all, doing all that research and, you know, talking to different people at different faculties. I was like, you know, this is great. You know, I want to really get into academia because it's just awesome to be able to talk to these really intelligent people and, you know, work on a, for me, it was a very sort of interdisciplinary theme. Um, and I was like, you know, I really want to be in the middle of this. I want to be able to inform, you know, I was working specifically on climate change and I thought that getting into academia and working on research would be one way of me contributing to the global effort um, against climate change. So for me, that, those were my motivations for getting into All right. school. What did the timeline look like for the both of you in terms of deciding, applying, studying for standardized testing, uh, and then ultimately making that decision to go to a specific grad school? If, if I could uh, just briefly comment on that, because it was a little, it was probably a little bit unique for me, because I was actually uh, working in Japan at the time, and one of my other motivations, now that you mentioned this question, was the fact that I didn't like what I was doing at my work. Um, I was working as an English teacher in Japan, and uh, you know I have much respect to English teachers in Japan, but it was not something I wanted to do forever. And so I thought that, you know, I want to eventually become a PhD and professor. So I said to myself, well, hey, you know, uh, maybe getting my master's at this point is a, is a good thing to do. Um, thankfully, in Japan, um, we don't need to take the GRE. So I did need to actually take an English proficiency test, uh, which might be something we could talk about later, um, as I am a native English speaker. But uh, that aside, yeah, there wasn't too much uh, standardized testing here. Um, but if I remember correctly, I think correct. Chris, you were taking the GRE. And just quickly, right? I failed the first time. <laughs> it wasn't easy getting back to studying the GREs, but I passed the second time. Awesome. Yeah. I, I took the GRE once, actually, because I was considering grad school in the States, mm -hmm. and it's tough. <laughs> it's, it's a tough exam. Yeah. Uh, so regarding Patrick's question, like what my timeline looked like and getting prepared for um, grad school, Fortunately, uh, I wanted to work a year um, as 
in my permanent position to really get the hang of it before applying to grad school. And I think that worked out perfectly because part of the incentive was L'Oreal had a stipend program where they would give me, I think, around 80% of paid tuition to go back to grad school and get my higher education. So you had to wait a year in order to get that. And I thought a year was also good in not only getting more familiar with my formulation role, but asking around uh, chemists who did the grad school and personal care science and seeing what they thought of it. And I've heard a lot of good remarks from them regarding the Rutgers program. Uh, Don't want to make this uh, episode turn into why you should go back to Rutgers for grad school, but, (laughs) but I've heard they have uh, staff members uh, regarding staff members. They have professors that actually have been in the industry before through different concentrations. So it's such a sort of a wide collection of different industries in that program. Like I chose personal care sciences, however, it's business as well. So I would be taking marketing courses, finance courses, if I so choose to. And also I could take other science courses uh, that interest me, like food science, which is different from personal care science. So it, it seemed like a very exciting experience. Also, it was more so just that I, I had to like be comfortable with myself in wanting to uh, go back to grad school because it's at the same time in America, at least very costly. I think I calculated by the time I'm done with grad school, I would still be paying um, maybe twenty dollars to $25,000 out of pocket, even with the L'Oreal stipend. So I was just like, it's a big investment for me. And um, I'm glad I did it. Even though it was only a semester and it ended up leaving, um, I want to say that I don't regret the experience. And for anybody that wants to go go into personal care science uh, and switch into that career, I would definitely recommend the Rutgers uh, Master's in Business and Science program. Let's kind of double click on the the timeline real quick. So Rahul, you mentioned that you didn't have to take any standardized testing. There was just the English proficiency test. So how did that whole application work, right? Like you're (laughs) you're foreign, you're a foreigner in, in the kind of Japanese system. And so you're like, hey, I want to go, go to grad school. What do those steps look like? Yeah. Um, in Japan, it's unique because everything is very paper-based Interesting. in Japan. Um, so I did, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really interesting because we think of Japan as this, you know, the highest echelon of technology and it is a very paper-based society. But anyway. Um, for grad school, it was very much the same, if I recall. I had to print out the, uh, the application online, fill out everything with a uh, good old-fashioned pen. <laughs> and, um, yeah, even my essay, too, I had to also write that out entirely by hand. Um, so everything was very basic application, um, which I then submitted. And then I believe in that I had to, like, give some summary of my academic background and my sort of research proposal, because if you're going to go into research, um, you need to have a research proposal, usually some idea of 
you know, hey, this is what I want to study in my master's or research in my master's, or you know, this is what I do want to do my uh, dissertation for for my PhD. Um, so you need to have a concrete step, uh, step-by-step sort of outline of exactly the problem you're looking at, the, you know, the methodology you're going to use, um, some of the existing literature, and uh, what you're going to expect you know, from doing this research and the sort of originality of your idea. Anyway, these are all the things I had to really provide the grad schools I applied to. I applied to maybe two, I think. Um, yeah, overall, I think it was just two grad schools that I got into in Japan. So I believe it was two. Uh, before actually sending out my applications, though, um, one thing that, you know, a lot of the listeners who are considering going to grad school need to consider is that it's different from undergrad. It's not like, you know, hey, I'm going to go to university. <laughs> so you know, I get mom and dad to help me find the uh, <laughs> find the application online and fill it out. Um, no, you actually have to build mm. some sort of connection with the school first. Um, and in applying to grad school, you have to be a little bit wise about what it is you really want to research, um, at least if you're going in for research. If you're going in for a you know, professional degree program, then this is probably not very relevant to you. But on the other hand, if you're going to go study you know, something like you know, environmental sciences or you know, philosophy or you know, whatever it is, you need to first understand what you want to research. And then you have to do the research about who you want to work with, what kind of faculty, because these people are essentially going to be not only your advisor, um, but also in some sense, uh, your mm -hmm. colleagues, right, eventually. Um, and once you're, of course, at the PhD level, they're definitely going to be more of your colleagues and less of your advisor. Um, so even from the master's stage, you have to do that kind of research. And that's what I did. I had to really look at these different schools in Japan. Um, and look at the faculty of different departments and see where I fit in. And for me, the criteria was, you know, I wanted a program that, of course, dealt with environmental studies, um, but also that was kind of welcoming to maybe some sort of uh, English, you know, research, because I wanted to make my research, um, you know, accessible to, you know, wider audience. Um, and so I found a various departments, I contacted various people who had, you know, research background similar to mine based on their, you know, their CV or what you might call a resume. Um, so basically I contacted them just by email. I said, hey, you know, I'm Rahul. Uh, this is what I've studied so far, what I've researched so far. And this is what I'm planning to research. Would you be willing to Whoa. take me on as a student at the school? Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, I applied to, I was going to apply to University of Tokyo U. Tokyo. Oh, um, but <laughs> actually, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, the my connection with the person on the other line, um, like they're, they were like moving or something. So they weren't really responding to my emails quickly enough. And I was like, forget it. So instead, I decided to apply to Nagoya University, mm -hmm. as well as Kyoto University. Um, and uh, I got into both. I had to also take an entrance examination, um, but this is more of a sort of, you know, like they'll actually give you a test about the subject matter and see your, assess your basic understanding of, you know, how environmental systems work, what are some basic environmental issues and how they affect, you know, human societies, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's not like the GRE, which is like a general understanding of your general knowledge of like mathematics and reading and writing. Um, here you're actually going to answer questions related to your field. And so I passed that and uh, eventually I chose to go with uh, Kyoto University. 
Um, this was all within a span of, let's say, four to six months, I want to say. So it wasn't, didn't take too long uh, for the BTO side. And then, yeah, I enrolled in April, which is maybe a weird month here in the States. But in April, that's where everything started. Did you have Japan, to so. study for the standardized test, at least within the environmental science field? Yeah, I did a little bit. I mean, I did my undergrad in environmental sciences and the tests were both in English, um, thankfully, but I did have to do a little bit of review. Um, they weren't too detailed and uh, thankfully there wasn't much chemistry on there. <laughs> Otherwise, I might have not been so hot. But, <laughs> but yeah, Curtis, there was how did you stuff. approach studying for the GRE as well as the application process? Right. So uh, I would like to start with like, Compared to Rahul's uh, process to applying to grad school in Japan, the juxtaposition in the U.S. is that applying to grad school, at least in my experience, to Rutgers, it felt like an extension of when I applied to um, get in during my bachelor's, there had to be like an um, introduction essay you had to do, and you had like a standardized sort of test, uh, the G, uh, not the GRE, the SAT, and it was very similar in the case of Rutgers. Uh, they wanted to have like some sort of your personal best sort of essay. Why do you want to go back to grad school? And it could be really anything you feel per se. They really just want to kind of gauge and get to know you better and see where your passion lies. So my essay was more so about, hey, I would like to go deeper into my industry and collect more skills that I might not be able or have the time at, to learn at work. So I felt that was just, just a very basic summary of, you know, the program would be right for me. And um, I passed the GREs on the second try. And that was like in the span of similar to Rahul, like four to six months in 2018. And I was just waiting until the end of the year to apply and get that stipend in order to enter Rutgers. And it really helped having connections that have done the program before. I had a colleague that did the program and she was about to graduate with her master's and talking to, let's say a counselor, like I know this person, he knows that person and that sort of network, it really helps them to because there is also like a sort of like um, grad school faculty panel at the end that reviews your application and decides whether or not to take you. Um, having a connection say that they can vouch for you, you know, they've met up a couple of times with you. It definitely is like the third factor, having your introductory essay, uh, your recommendations your and your GRE scores, but also just uh, connections that know you, what you're like at work. Um, so, right. So it sounds to me like uh, our <laughs> very similar. Are actually, kind of similar yeah. in that sense. Because I, I, yeah, like I was going to something more research oriented, but uh, even though I think what yours, your program was a little bit more, you know, career very oriented path, I believe, right? Not so much, yeah, right, you're right. And, and so, yeah, I mean, similarly too, I, you know, listening to you, I also recall that I also had an interview process where we did have a panel of uh, faculty as well who had to interview me. And 
uh, recommendations were important in that as well. Did you also have a sort of academic advisor? who? Yes, uh, that was basically the counselor I was talking to, and she could guide you if you so chose to. However, okay. it was very more laissez-faire. You could pick what you want on top of the core courses. Very much similar to what we went through during our bachelor's degrees in Rutgers, I would say. And Patrick, regarding studying for the GREs, I think I did it in a more traditional sense where I actually reached out to a tutor and also bought those GRE practice books and you know, practice what I could. A Kaplan, it's not bad. I would say Kaplan is a sort of easier book to use. Uh, I definitely like Barron's. I think Barron's prepared me pretty well. So I would say it's it depends on the person. Like I don't feel like I'm the most uh, academic, like academically gifted to understand. Uh, the problem sets, you know, on the first try and everything. And plus I had a full-time job at, at the same time while studying for the GREs. So it was not the easiest uh, studying and going into like the first test. Um, it was like in a sort of like very sterile environment. Everything is done on the computer. Now, if you want a written test, you could do that. But I think those, you have to go through different paperwork to sign up for it and actually go in for that. However, everything is done on a computer in the juries where you just, you know, you have the problem displayed in front of you, you click the answer and you submit it. And actually at the end, you get to see your score. So when I didn't pass the first time, I was just like, oof, uh, I got to go back to the drawing board. And I think if you don't pass the first time, uh, you have to wait another three months in order to take the test. And so if you... I think if you try to take the test three times in a year and you end up failing those three times, uh, the, the GRE uh, test center, they, make, they have to make you wait another nine months. So of course, uh, the pressure was on to, to do perform, perform better the second time, which I'm glad that uh, going back to the GRE books, I'm actually going on forums. Uh, there's actually a, a, for, a forum on Reddit uh, for the GREs where there's a lot of people who actually take those GRE standardized tests and the real tests for fun. And they actually give some pretty good tips on how, you know, you should study for it. But for me, what worked out for me was just finding a tutor and going through the problem sets again and again and again until I would um, find similar uh, problem sets that matched up during taking the real test. Yeah. That's interesting. They would, uh, all oh, right, I didn't even go into the price. I spent like more than four hundred dollars on both tests to do it, and that's not even counting the tutor and uh, the the practice booklets I bought. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. So it's kind of interesting, you know, Curtis. It seemed like you definitely endured through, right? You took the GRE. You were like, "Hey, I didn't do so hot this time. I'm gonna go back to the drawing board, study hard, and then you did well on your second run." Was there ever a time during that kind of four to six month you know, application period then where you were like, hey, maybe this is not for me? And kind of what advice would you have for you know, people early on in their career or even uh, in undergrad who are thinking about grad school who are kind of in that process right now and are about to give up? Right. Uh, so I never 
once thought that this program might not have been for me because only because I've seen so many L'Oreal colleagues do it before and they've always, they're either currently in the program or they just uh, graduated the program and they were all very happy with what they achieved. So, and that's what I really wanted. And I was very eager to work and get into grad school for that experience. So for our listeners that are feeling a little bit dejected, if it's a little hard taking the GREs and getting in, uh, I, I would just recommend to not be so down with yourself. I remember there's, there's currently a colleague right now that's trying to take the GREs and she's been out of school for six years. And she's just like, Curtis, uh, I'm not good at math. Like I'm not good at uh, English. You know, I don't think I'll do so well on the GREs. And I'm just saying, just, I, I told her, like, I didn't pass the first time. Like, I think failure pushed me to retry again and never, never get into the trap of thinking, you know, this is above me. You know, I'm not worthy of the GREs. Uh, no, I feel like if anything, uh, a very important part of getting into grad school, yes, the GREs are important. However, they do ask you, at least at Rutgers, if you have a good supporting support system at home or where you live, because obviously the GREs are just one thing in getting in, but grad school is still a big investment for the next two to three years of your life. And a lot of listeners might go through what I went through, I was working while going to grad school in that first semester. And that was a, a, like a whole nother sort of challenge, right? Walk me through that a little bit more. So how have you tried to like balance that? Or how have you managed, you know, some of that work-life balance between, you know, working full-time and then having to go to school? And then similarly for Rahul, I know you went to grad school kind of full-time, but you were working a bunch of part-time jobs, right? Um, you know, was that experience like really stressful? Was it really difficult? What kind of tips and uh, tidbits from your experience do you guys have to share? Yeah. Shall I go first? Okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I was working full time. I'm um, sorry. I was not working full time. I was studying full time uh, while I was going to grad school. Uh, I as I said before, I really wanted to focus in academia as becoming my career. So I had no reason to really continue a job that I didn't want to do and instead decided to go full throttle with grad school. Uh, in doing so, I learned very quickly how important money is. <laughs> it was uh, quite the economic struggle. Uh, I basically was very cheap uh, in the last few months of my contract before going into grad school, which really saved my butt because I needed to afford rent, um, utilities, you know, food, and all these other things associated with you know, living. <laughs> and uh, at some point, you know, oh, by the way, I also didn't have any scholarship. Now, many grad students might get a scholarship, especially in Japan. If you're coming from abroad, there's a good chance you might be coming in with some sort of scholarship. If you're just here in Japan um, or studying abroad in Japan, let me know. Uh, shoot us a comment or contact us any way you can, and uh, we'll be happy to get back to you uh, about that. Uh, in any case, going back to grad school, for me, yes, I didn't have any money, and I would basically beg the faculty to let me do some sort of work 
Um, but, you know, my school actually had a very weird policy of, you know, you can't be a TA or an RA until you have at least one year of experience in the school under your belt. Pretty arbitrary rule, in my opinion, even in retrospect. But, hey, you know, I don't make the rules. I just obey them. So I basically tried to find whatever work I could. And since I had experience as an English teacher, I was doing that. Um, at some point, I was also looking into personal training. I studied for that and decided to do that as a almost, you know, self-employed basis where I was actually talking to people and training them. I did translation. Um, I, you know, did English editing uh, for some of my colleagues who were from other you know, parts of the world, like Europe and such, for their blog. <laughs> I basically did everything you can imagine. At some, At one point, I had seven jobs you could say or seven sources of income while trying to do my master's thesis and also find a job after grad school um so yeah there was a lot of a lot of sacrifices like i had to really focus on making money and making sure that i could afford rent um not too concerned about you know savings per se but just enough to survive at least um just had to get a little innovative in finding sources of money that's all how about you curtis was it difficult kind of balancing studying and working full-time <clears throat> yeah it, i think it was because i would go into work and uh that was during the time when i worked in a very busy division at l'oreal and so you know in some nights when I'm formulating and I say nights because I would be going home uh, maybe six or seven. And I, from, from the time I went in in the morning at like, you know, seven thirty AM, that's almost like 12 hours. Yeah. And I felt like I was spending uh, 50 hours to 60 hours in a week you know, in my first year as a, as a formulation chemist, you know, trying to hit off these uh, KPIs, which are, short for key performance indicators and these projects that, you know, we're trying to create uh, these awesome hair colors that will compete in the market um, that marketing is trying to uh, push. Right. So I think it's, it's really, uh, it, for me, it was a balancing act in realizing that, Hey, uh, really figure out at work what I could realistically do in a day because it doesn't help that, for, for anybody listening, it doesn't help if you're too tired. I feel like if you're too tired, which I was sometimes, it, you know, your work suffers and, you know, you realize you could have done some things better, you know, and, um, or better organized the next few days. So I, I definitely kept communication open with my manager to say, hey, what's really important today? And, mm -hmm. I, and after talking about it, I think we were both very realistic in saying like, hey, uh, you know, you don't have to kill yourself you know, doing, doing work. And at the same time, it, it was, I think, very inefficient, right? So getting back to, you know, just having normal work hours, more of like 40 to 45 hours a week, uh, and going back home to study and do what I need to, uh, it really helped. Now, I'm not, it worked for me as well, because I'm not the type of guy to really go out per se. So it's just like, uh, every time I go home at night, and even on the weekends, uh, if, you know, if I didn't schedule a hangout with a friend, you know, I'd be uh, at home hitting the practice tests. 
and just trying to learn from my mistakes. And eventually everything started connecting. Uh, it definitely practice makes perfect. And uh, just, I think I was starting to understand it, like the practice and problem sets better in like um, the first or second month uh, after I failed the first test. Now I remember like after I failed the first test, like, you know, that week afterwards, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to open up a book again, but knowing that, Hey, you know, GRE is a very big important step in getting into the grad program. It's just something that I had to restart and you'd be surprised. Like um, I still didn't have the best scores per se on the second try. Uh, there are other factors to that the, the sort of uh, faculty panel lists do to critique, uh, critique, critique like the um, person applying sort of, uh, sort of, how, what am I getting at? Um, there are basically other factors that the faculty uh, sees in your application besides the GREs to accept you is what I'm getting at. And mm -hmm. obviously my score was still low. However, I think I had a pretty convincing essay, uh, two letters of recommendation from uh, managers, you know, that I had. And GRE, I don't think was the most convincing um, or, the, or the only sort of, only sort of like keep, um, key performance indicator they wanted to accept. Yeah, I would gotcha, say overall, gotcha. uh, some of the commonality, commonalities I've been finding uh, in my story and Curtis's story here is that if you want to apply to grad school, um, you need to have the application. There's usually some sort of standardized testing involved. In my case, it was an English proficiency exam. For Curtis's case, it was a GRE. And of course, for English listeners, probably a GRE and not an English proficiency exam. Um, there's also, if you're going to do a research-oriented program, you definitely need to have a very strong research proposal and maybe some sort of research background. Um, otherwise, I think uh, in Curtis's case, this was perhaps the essay um, that was indicating a sort of a statement of purpose. Um, and the letters of recommendation and having a good network is probably the last item here that's very, very critical. Because um, uh, I would say, regardless of the program, like uh, right now, you're no longer really a you're you're kind of you're still a student but at the same time you want to be you know present yourself more as a colleague uh when you're going into grad programs i would say uh, versus an undergrad so having those connections um and especially the letters of recommendation um from your previous studies is very critical um right. also uh, i would say maybe gpa uh having a strong academic transcript for from your undergrad will probably help your application yeah. What tips would you have for someone who didn't have a strong academic record or transcript script per se? <laughs> I think I'm the perfect example of that because I graduated college with less than a, a 3.0 GPA cumulative, right? So, and I'd say my advice is really the world isn't only going to judge you based upon like a, a numbered score associated with you. There's definitely other factors in your life where a lot, you have to go out and ask people like, what do they see in you that separates you from being based on a number? So 
I, I think I definitely feel this question to hard Patrick only because, you know, from my whole life, I was never the best student per se academically. I never got the best scores. However, I was always have a sort of, a sort of friend group um, that would recognize my potential and tell me, you know, there are other things that they see value in me and like, you know, um, you know, I try to help everybody else. And, and th these things translate to work, you know, I'm a great team player. And obviously you have to show that to when you're applying to grad school. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I think we've talked pretty much at length about, you know, the introductory process, you know, getting into grad school, mm -hmm. all the things that are required. So now let's kind of fast forward to kind of where your two experiences kind of diverge, right? You know, Curtis, you had mentioned that you took one semester and then you recognized and realized, hey, maybe grad school is not for me, right? right. Whereas Rahul, you kind of went through grad school and you were like, I like this, I'm going to finish my degree and then, you know, potentially continue on to a PhD or whatnot. Yeah. Curtis, we'll start off with you where, you know, what, what do you think kind of seeded that decision for you to, you know, uh, leave grad school? Right. So I would answer your question first, but I definitely want to get into like my specific experiences in that one semester. I think I went through, I learned a lot um, mm -hmm. during my time there. However, this is um, pre-COVID. Like, um, I actually made the decision pre-COVID to not continue with grad school only because my priorities shifted in life. And I think, number one, that's, that's like the most important reason. I still live at home with my parents. Uh, not saying that's a bad thing. However, I, I've never uh, lived on my own after college. So, you know, to the viewers, I'm like, 27 years old I've been living in the same house all my life and I definitely want to finally get a head start on you know being independent so for me uh, it was more important to save a sort of capital a big ca capital income to move out whether that would be renting or uh, purchasing you know, an apartment um, that's still to be decided however uh, that became my number one reason, just the cost factor, right? Grad school was still very, very expensive for me at the end of the day. And even with the stipend, I thought like, hey, I feel like my money could be used for a better sort of venture. But also, I wasn't getting the scholarships that uh, um, I wanted to, right? So I should have applied to scholarships a little bit sooner. However, Maybe this is something, you know, either one of you could cover, uh, but I don't think, you know, I had the best resources in applying to a scholarship per se. And also as well, um, the grants dried up on my end. Like the grants were, I think, plentiful uh, during my undergrad. Like I would be getting like 2000 or, you know, $5,000 um, in my first two years uh, during undergrad paid off by the state. However, it was zero dineros uh, during my grad program. So I paid $7,000 out of pocket. And that's a lot to me. You know, it's a, it's a big amount for my savings account. So I thought that each year I stay in grad school, while it might be a great investment in terms of a better salary, 
it was still a lot of money taken off of uh, basically moving out and starting my independent lifestyle. So given that then, do you feel like you could potentially go back to grad school sometime down the road, maybe after uh, you have built up that independent lifestyle? I want to say possibly, but not in personal care science anymore. I wouldn't continue in this current program only because it's, it's very similar to it's, of course it's very similar to what I'm doing now. And I, I said before that in my essay, going back to grad school that is sent to Rutgers that I wanted to learn things that I couldn't learn at work. However, it was becoming more of like a mixed experience where it's like I could learn everything at work instead of just going to Rutgers and paying that sort of uh, insurmountable bill to cover those costs, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't think I would go back unless I find some sort of field that's totally different from cosmetic science. Like let's say, okay, I really get into business and you know, getting sort of the network that I could arrange and meet to kind of push me towards uh, that sort of job field where I know somebody and I can get in a little bit easier. Sure, I would do that. But most likely, I feel like at that point in time in my life where, you know, I have my own property, I would be probably enjoying life a little bit uh, too much. And I would probably just want to concentrate on that instead of going back to school. Hi everyone, this is Curtis on a separate recording. In regards to just summarizing the should you do grad school or not episode again, obviously everybody's situation is different. I think this is a very important factor to consider first and foremost. Your reason will definitely be different versus somebody else's. And it really is determining up to what you really want to do with your degree. Now, if you want to use that degree to get better income, sure, that's a perfect reason. However, as you see there, you know, for Curtis, me, I wanted to use the degree to just climb higher in my career. It was more of a linear setup where everything was taken care of in terms of what classes I had to choose. That will lead me more into what I wanted as a managerial role. However, the falling out happened in regards of what I wanted in, in my life that changed. So, you know, dropping out during, especially during the pandemic, I feel was a wiser decision. For Rahul, he definitely wanted to do something more academically and renowned. And that's very respectful in its own right. And, you know, just those distinct two very different scenarios, I think I would hope gives you a better idea of the questions you should ask in your life in regards to will this degree get me to the next stage of my career?